many of you guys were here for either of our previous two messages where we were talking about leadership with David? And if you're here watching online, um, we have been talking about David and how his life is an excellent example about leadership. And I've made the point every week, and I'm going to make it again this week, that if you hear the word leadership and think it doesn't apply to you, then you do not understand what leadership means. Because leadership is influence. It's not a title. It's not a position. You don't have to be the manager in order to influence. And if you are influencing, you are leading. David lived a life. He led both before and after he had the title. Anybody notice? He was a leader, even when he was the least of those. His, his bravery, his commitment to the Lord, his character, all inspired and led the, the country. He led the king, even though the king had title and position, and David didn't. We are called to be leaders. So we have talked about the necessity for a godly perspective of who we are. If we see ourselves as the result of, of our circumstances, if we have a poor self-image and we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, it will be difficult to influence the way God desires us to influence. We looked at the significance of relationships and friendships and the selections of, of a spouse and our ability to reach God-given goals. We looked at the importance and impact of passion and focus on greatness and our ability to lead. And now I'm going to continue um, forward today. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 it sa and 2. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men. It's interesting that David, the, the Bible says that people were attracted to him. Now, if you were wanting to create an army to take on a major superpower, is that the group you probably would have asked for? All those who were in distress, all those who were in debt, all those who were discontented. I mean, does that sound like the makings of an amazing army? It doesn't. But one of the things about leadership is that leadership attracts people. It inspires them to a higher level. It makes of them more than they were. And it transfers to others a piece of what the leader has. You follow? We, as a leader, when we influence people, we are lifting them up. We are improving. We can be influences, both for good or for bad. But godly leadership, the goal of our influence, should be to improve the lives of those around us. Not simply improve our lives. Many of us have a twisted world uh, view of what leadership is. We see leadership and, and we think of, of some royalty who's being served and fawned on by all of these lowly stewards and, and peasants who are serving them. That is a messed up perspective of leadership. 
We are not leading to improve our lives. A good leader leads to improve the lives of those around them. David drew people. Why is it that people who were in debt were attracted to him? Why is it that people who were in distress were attracted to him? Why? Because they realized, I'm in distress. I go there and I become less distressed. I go there, I become less in debt. Because he is, he is there to build me up. Leadership is being contagious. Not all leaders inspire the same thing. Not all leaders have the same contagions, as we might say. Character can be caught and acquired by being around a leader with good character. Drive. How many of you have ever just kind of, you know, hey, I kind of want to do that, I kind of don't know. And then you get around somebody, and, and whether it's, it's, you know, making financial choices, or maybe it's, it's working out, and you get around someone who's inspiring, and they're like, yeah, let's go for a run. Let's get up. Let's go to a workout. We're going to do this. And you're like, okay. And, and, and you kind of get, you get inspired. They led you. Their drive kind of rubbed off on you. That was leadership. Sometimes it might be confidence, purpose, purpose. A lot of times we, we gravitate to someone who has purpose, especially when somebody like those people that, that gravitated to David, they didn't, they didn't have purpose. David had purpose. So they got around him and allowed his purpose to rub off on them. Vision, motivation. You know, there are a lot of good leaders who aren't good people. If you think about it for a second, Hitler and Billy Graham were both contagious leaders. Both of them spoke to huge crowds. Both of them inspired change in the lives of those who listened to them. One was spreading pure evil. The other going to be responsible for an entire wing in heaven. We, as leaders, are influencing others. David, the Bible says, attracted people and then he invested in their life. True leadership believes in people. True leadership believes in people. It's interesting when we look at scripture. Over and over, we see a pattern. Do you guys remember the burning bush and Moses? Moses is there. God begins to talk to Moses. God is telling Moses, I want you to go back to the greatest military superpower in the world and I want you to tell them to give up their entire workforce and let your people go. And Moses, what does he say? I can't do that. Oh, I'm not articulate enough in speech. I have a stuttering problem. I can't do that. But God believed more in Moses than Moses believed in himself. Gideon, we used that example previously. Gideon same thing. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and Gideon is afraid. And the angel begins to tell him, hey, this is God's purpose for your life. And Gideon is making excuses, has to be convinced. 
the angel of the Lord was there because God saw the potential in Gideon that even Gideon didn't see. Saul, King Saul. The Bible says on the day that he was to be crowned, he hid most of the disciples. God had to inspire them. They did not recognize how much was in them. You know who else God sees greatness in before they recognize it themselves? You! Moses, Gideon, Saul, Paul, the disciples, and us. He looks down. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God looks at us and he sees more than what's at the surface. When, when that group of people came to David and they were down and out and distressed and, and dismayed and in debt and, and all of that, God didn't look and say, well, that defines them. No, he recognized that there was more there. True leadership looks and sees past the surface. We are called to lift people up, to improve people's lives. If you want to have influence with people, show them that their success matters to you. When people recognize that you care not just about what their presence is going to do for you, but that you desire to do something beneficial for them, they will flock to you. It doesn't matter what your position is. They want to be there. They want to be improved. We all have that desire, and that is what we see is a pattern of godly leadership. Godly leadership provides an example to follow. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When we look in the scripture, what are we looking at? We are looking at examples to follow. Examples of what to do and examples of what not to do. The Bible is, is amazing in that respect. That it's interesting. We look at our heroes. We talk about David. You know, we're talking about David. There's so many good things about David. But do you realize the Bible didn't exclude David's mistakes? He made some whoppers. The Bible still shows us that he's there for an example. The Bible says in John 13, 15 through 16, it says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. We are to be an example. David was an example of killing giants. David was an example of praising the Lord. Ask yourself, what am I an example of? When people look at my life, when my kids look at my life, when my coworkers look at my life, when my neighbors look at my life, what is the example that I'm setting? Godly leadership 
instructs. John 15, 15 says, I no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Being intentional about what we show, what we're teaching, what example we're making. We are called to be intentional about inspiring and instructing and being an example. It's interesting that good leaders don't necessarily wear signs that identify them. David's men were in distress, they were in debt, they were disconnected. Leadership can be hidden behind a lot of things. In today's society, we've heard, how many of you are familiar with the term cancel culture? This idea that if there is one flaw, then everything is discounted. If you made one mistake, that's it. You're canceled. Boom. Do you realize if, if that had been God's approach, none of our biblical heroes would have become anything. David would have been out in the Me Too movement. Gone. And I'm not speaking light of what he did. He was, that was wrong. But God looked down and said, I can still use you. God sent people into David's life to ensure that he would repent and recognize the error of his ways. And David did. He turned around. Leadership can be hidden in many ways. Here are some of the, the gems, some of the little things that you may see poking out in someone that demonstrates that their, their leadership potential, integrity. No matter what the circumstances are, when you see integrity, you know that there is pow potential there. They take initiative. Being teachable. Teachability. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be willing to learn. So many great leaders have made comments. I could, I could stand here for the rest of our time and quote different leaders um, who have said things about the teachability. Andrew Carnegie, multimillionaire, said, I pay more for people's willingness, ability to just work with people than anything else, because I can teach them anything else. So many different leaders have talked about how important it is to be teachable. Someone who takes responsibility. Someone who is willing to own their mistakes. Someone with commitment. Commitment. Willing to stick to something even after it gets hard, even after it, it, it doesn't turn out exactly the way you hoped, even after it becomes less than popular. Dedication. Bravery. I hope we all know this, but bravery isn't the lack of fear. Bravery is the willingness to step forward and act in spite of fear. If you're not afraid, that's, that's not being brave. 
if you don't even know there's danger, you walk forward, well, that's not bravery. Bravery is recognizing, you know what? There is a risk here. There is a challenge here, but I'm going to step forward and do it anyway. Let's look, Dave, David invested time in his people. And when we invest in people, it will not be perfect. Here are some of the things that we can expect when we choose to apply our influence, that is, choose to be a leader and invest in someone trying to lift them up and improve their lives. First off, you can expect difficulty. Everybody has issues to overcome. It's going to take effort. Spending quality time comes at a cost. There will be mistakes. There will be mistakes. That's just part of the growth process. Betrayal. Not everyone will be faithful. You know, Jesus, he had a friend who betrayed him. Man, one of the lies the devil tells, one of the attacks he uses on people's self-worth is the idea that if someone else betrayed me, I am the failure. Was Jesus a failure? Just because someone has done you wrong does not mean you are the failure. When people fail, it is not proof that you are a failure. You know what else we can expect? Happiness. Oh, few things give as much joy as seeing those that you inspired getting up and succeeding. We can expect to have victories. Let me encourage you, celebrate those victories. It's interesting, when I think about the Old Testament, if you read the stories, think back about the Old Testament and all the different things and how something would happen to the Israelites and the Lord would instruct them to, to build an altar there, pile up a monument, create a monument there. Then something else would happen, they say, now I want you to celebrate this every year forever. And if you look back at the Jewish holidays, most of them are celebrating or reminding people about one of God's past victories. How exciting is that? God understood. We need to, if we don't focus on our victories, we'll forget them. We will remember what we're focused on. And pretty soon, you look back, and, I, and, and your, your memory of what happened is simply a memory of what you focused on. And if you did not take the time to celebrate and be intentional about your victories, but you took the time to meditate and, and dwell on all of the failures and the mistakes that came along the way, then when you look back, your memory of it is going to be an entirely negative thing. And you're going to be there, man. Oh, life is rough. And you'll discourage yourself and anybody you, you're trying to be an influence with. Why? Because you didn't celebrate the victories. God showed the Israelites how to do it. He says, listen, when something goes right, remember, set up a monument, make it a holiday. Because there's going to be difficult moments. But that's not where you folk. Focus. The Bible says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. 
God says, I want you to be intentional about where you put your focus. David reproduced himself in others. Someone said, we teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. 2 Samuel 21, 18. Now remember, when David showed up, the entire Israeli army was there, facing off against the Philistine army, and there was one giant. And in the entire army of Israel, there wasn't one man willing to, to fight that giant. David, approximately 15 year old, years old, went forward and killed Goliath. Now, as David grew in influence, let's read what it says, verse 18. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then, I'm going to slaughter his name, Sibachi, the Hushathite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. And again, there was a war at Gob and the Philistines where Elihaman, the son of J.R. Oregon, I'm glad none of these guys are here because, man. The Bethlehemite killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was a war where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he was born to the giant, so when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimeah, David's brother, killed him. David was the first to step up and kill a giant. And suddenly, we have one, two, three stories of these men of Israel who said, hey, if he can do it, if God can do it through him, then God can do it through me. He went forward. They, he reproduced. David reproduced what he was. The Bible says that David was a man of valor. In 1 Chronicles 10, uh, 11, 10 through 15, it says, Now these were the heads of the mighty men of David who had, had who strengthened themselves with, the, with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him a king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Joshabim, the son of Hecamanite, chief of the captains, he had lifted up his spear against 300 and killed, him, killed by him at once. Then we go forward and there's Eleazar, the son of Dodo. I can pronounce that one. The Ahoite, who was one of three mighty men. And then the, the scriptures go on to talk about the mighty. When David showed extreme valor, then he, now where did these guys come from? These mighty men. They're the in-debt, distressed people who came to David. These men of valor, these giant slayers, were those people that we all agreed we wouldn't have wanted to start an army with. But what happened? They were lifted up by the presence of a positive leader. David was a great warrior. He inspired more great warriors. He was faithful, and his faithfulness multiplied into an entire army that was faithful. 
David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. That is in Acts 13.22. It says, and he... Or, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Who will do all my will? When I hear the phrase, he was a man after my own heart, I know that's a good thing. I recognize that I need to aspire to, for that. But what does that look like? That scripture defines it. He says, he was a man after my own heart who will do all my will. David was obedient. We've talked about what it means to be spiritual. Being a spiritual Christian doesn't mean you have more verses memorized. Memorizing scripture is wonderful. But... That's not the true mark of spirituality. Having theology degrees can be good, but that's not a mark of spirituality. A mark of spirituality is if you do what you know is God's will, when you obey. I've used this example before, but Adam and Eve were walking with God. They had communion with God every day. They'd never read the Bible. It wasn't even written. They didn't have any scriptures memorized. When did they fall from a spiritual place? When did they become less spiritual? The day they chose to disobey what they knew was right. When we know what God asks and we rationalize and choose, that is when the blinders of sin come into our lives. That's when we become a less spiritual Christian. Nobody should be thinking, oh, you know, I can't, I can't be a good Christian because I didn't get to go to Bible school. I am not against Bible school. I love Bible school. But can I tell you something? You can go to Bible school, and if you go and you learn all of that and you still choose not to do it, what was the point? God looks down and he says, what are you doing with what you know? I have talked to you. My scripture is clear about what to speak. I've told you what things to focus on and think about. I've told you what to do with your finances. I've told you what to do. Are you doing it? We want to be a man after God's own heart like David, or a woman after God's own heart. What does that imply? That means doing what we know is God's will. These were the keys to David's endurance or obedience. Number one was endurance. David did not falter when things got difficult. We look at David's life. You know, we, we look at his life with the the luxury of hindsight. David, the man who is going to be the most famous king of Israel ever. Oh, he had this little period of time where he had to live in a cave and he got, you know, this happened. And oh, there was this time when, when his home was burnt down and the, the people, you know, the enemies came and kidnapped his family. But, but he got him back. And we all know that. 
We know how the story ends. But what would we have done in that situation? Would we have quit? Would we have stopped trying? Stopped believing that God has something better? Would we have said, oh, if he hasn't done it by now, I'm never going to do it. If you've ever faced obstacles, you're in good company with David. His family were obstacles. Remember when he, when he first showed interest in, in fighting Goliath, his brother chewed him out. What are you doing here? I know the wickedness of your heart. You're just here to watch the battle. Translation, you came here to watch us get slaughtered. His brother tried to stop him. He had enemies. Oh, did David have enemies? Even the people who weren't supposed to be his enemies were his enemies. There were authority figures out to get him. He had lack. He had loss. But he combated that with wisdom. 1 Samuel 18.5 says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. He was wise. This is, this is so exciting. We are called to live in wisdom. James tells us that if any of you lack wisdom, ask of the Lord and he will give it to you. This is exciting. We, 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 have this, we have this Western idea that intelligence is education. And we think that we're not going, I can't be wise unless I submit to that. God didn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, God will get you a scholarship and send you to college. I'm not against college. I have a, a bachelor's degree. I'm pro Education, but I recognize the difference between my education and the wisdom that God gives me. We are to ask the Lord for wisdom. Seek it, the Bible says, as a treasure. And then we have God's promise that he will give it to us if we ask. Listen, I double dog dare you to ask for it. Try God with this. Don't, he doesn't say, I can only give wisdom to people who can afford to go to college. No. He says, if you desire, if you lack it and you desire it, ask it and he'll give it. Seek that wisdom. David sought wisdom. And then the other thing that David did was David was faithful. David was faithful. Luke chapter 16, verse 12 says, And if you have not been faithful in what is another's man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, 
it's kind of a, a rhetorical question, because who's speaking? God says, if you're faithful, not faithful with another's man, who will give you what is your own? Who is the who he was really talking about? Himself. God says, don't you understand? You want all of this influence and power and position and title and all of these things that, that are mine to give. But why? Who, who, why would I give you all of that if you have not been faithful with what you already had? When I entrusted something that wasn't yours to you and you, you didn't care, why would I give you something of value? I, I, I would be foolish. We are, I am, I am convinced that there are thousands upon thousands of Christians who are waiting around for God to give them position, influence, leadership, uh, financial blessing, all kinds of things. And they're waiting around, thinking, why, why? And, and this verse is the answer. God says, listen, you're not faithful with anybody's vision. Why would I empower you to go forward? You need to show me that you're faithful. We've read the story before, Acts chapter 8. The Bible says that the, the, the disciples got together and they chose men who were filled with the Holy Spirit to wait on tables. Because it was deemed unwise for the apostles to be taking their time to, to wait at the tables. But the funny thing is that when we read about those names, and it lists people like Philip and Stephen, are in that list of men who were chosen to be waiters. And then the next time their name appears in Scripture, those same people, it says... And they, and, and the multitudes were amazed at the miracles that were being done. What? Like the only education that we see that these miracle working, crowd gathering, powerful evangelists had was faithfully serving as waiters. That's what the Bible shows us about their education. God will not violate his own principles. He has put in you guys, I hope you've noticed that I say this all the time. I say God has plans and purposes for you. Have you, have you noticed I might have mentioned that more than once? I want you to recognize that God has great plans and purposes for you. But he will not violate his own principles. And before he is going to empower you to be able to fulfill those things, he's looking to see what are you doing with the other visions and, and, and purposes that are around you. What have you been faithful in that wasn't yours? The vision of the church, the vision of another leader, 
Have you, did you come along and say, hey, what can I do to help further the gospel through what God is doing in you? So many of us are sitting there waiting. Well, God, whenever you want, I'm ready to go preach to thousands of people and, and have a great big healing crusade and, and all of that. I'm, I'd, I'd love to. And God's like, well, what are you doing? Uh, well, I, I don't want to be too busy when, when the healing crusade is going to happen, so I, I'm, I'm just keeping my schedule open. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. God says, be faithful in little, be faithful with someone else's vision and purpose, and God will promote yours. David. Oh, David knew that he was called to be king. Just think about how weird it was for David, knowing that he's going to be the next king, serving the current king, helping to establish and strengthen the dynasty, because that's what Saul was attempting to do. He wanted his own family to remain in power. Make best friends with the guy whose position God told you you're going to have. Right? And then, when the opportunity comes and David could have killed Saul, did David say, oh, just this one little moral slip and I get to have everything? No, David recognized my promotion doesn't come from me. My purpose isn't going to come by, by twisting the rules, by going around, by killing Saul. No, when God wants me in, in power, God will put me in power. And God did. He didn't have to backstab, literally. He was faithful. He was faithful to Saul, even when Saul was out of line. That is, that is a whole nother point. There are so many examples when godly people were faithful, even when the people around them were off. David was faithful to Saul when Saul was whack. Sarah was faithful to her husband when he was like afraid and lying and pretending she was his sister and all of that stuff. God protected her. And God honored her and then scolded her husband. Why? Because she was faithful. David was faithful. God is watching and he wants to bless you. How many of you are leaders? Raise your hand. All right, we're halfway there. Maybe I need to keep this series going. How many more weeks do we have to go before it'll be burned in our minds? We are called to influence. Today, I wanted to focus on the, the, the purposeful lifting of other people up. Leadership is not a self-serving call. You do not become a leader for the parking spot with your name. 
You do not become a leader for the, the office with a view. You become a leader for the opportunity to raise other people up in their potential, to increase their potential, to use what positive attributes God has put in you that you have intentionally developed to raise other people up and to become greater than yourself. When, when you raise others to, to go beyond you, that's success. That's success. 